0: the second part of our discussion. I'm Dan. And I'm Alice. And we're beginning where we left off, so most of our disclaimers and stuff are in the last episode, which I really do recommend you listen to first. Also, all of the other episodes in the Creation Story series for
1: context. Imagine someone going into this without having watched a single episode of ours and having no prior knowledge on Creation Stories and being like, what are they talking about? (laughs) God, that
0: would be so tragic. But, real quick, we aren't intending to talk down about any religions, nor are we experts in any way. We're here for fun, as a side project, so, like, we're doing our best, but keep expectations tempered. As always, let us know if you see any glaring mistakes. We will do our best to rectify them. Now, on to the discussion. Many of the creation stories and beliefs we have covered are polytheistic, so what do we think that is? I personally think this goes back to the whole thing with the reason separation is so common in these stories. Humans are simply obsessed with sorting things.
1: We don't exemplify this at all. (laughs) On my part, I think this is entirely conjecture, but I imagine that some societies also modeled the way that gods ruled after their own power structures. For one, it's easiest to go off what you know, and as a ruler, justifying your authority and heirs to the throne would be much easier if you can just say, it's like how the gods do it, so it must be right. It's true. It also means that you can have more gods to characterize and interact with, so more stories and fables and potential OCs for storytellers to put in. Looking at you, Grease. Hell yeah. Yeah. Plus, when you already have one god, why couldn't they create more gods like them with powers and up responsibility? Not to mention that, as Dan said, humans love to categorize, and that's way easier when you can do it by god of spring, god of summer, god of night, god of day, you get the picture.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think being able to pray to someone specific for a problem would have been ideal, because then you know that they deal in that, and so you know they're good at that and specialize in it. Plus, in communities, different people do different things, and they are all necessary for the survival of the society. So the idea that one would apply the same logic to a higher power does track as well. Another interesting thing to note is that the major monotheistic religions that we've seen are based in and or began in the Middle East. Why do we think that is? Well,
1: technically including Christianity, Islam, Judaism in this definition, despite the fact that many follow the belief that God is three parts or beings, just
0: as a quick aside. I mean, they are considered monotheistic by the majority of people. Including themselves, for the most part. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. And if you consider the three beings the same one, just taking different forms, I think it should count. Anyway... As for thoughts on the fact that monotheism seems to largely originate from one area, personally, I feel this is partially because this is the cradle of civilization. As an aside, cradle of civilization is Mesopotamia, where it's generally believed that the first urban centers sprung up. Plus, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity all very clearly branched from the same religion.
1: I mean, Christianity did branch from Judaism and Judaism and
0: Islam split from the same thing, so yes. There are many differences now, but the similarities, especially easy to note in creation stories, are pretty obvious. But the idea of having one God was very ideal for many areas that had lots of gods which all needed to be worshiped. Not to mention there's a very active element of Christianity and Islam, which was to spread the beliefs, Crusades are very obvious examples for Christians. There's also all sorts of other actions sanctioned by the church, such as missionary work, that helped this.
1: You mean colonization? <laughs> well, yes. There were some other actions, but it was mostly colonizing, let's be honest here.
0: Islam is also well known for conquering large swaths of land, especially in Africa, but other places as well. Spain? that caused the conversion of others, forced or not.
1: There were some unforced, but let's be real here. Most of the stories that we know are about forced conversions. It's true. Before I go off on my money theory, it's important to remember there were loads of other religions that predate Judaism and Islam by centuries, and religions that predate those. We just know a lot less about them, because the further back in history you go, the fewer artifacts you can generally find intact, let alone decipher, And the more stuff is kept via oral tradition as opposed to actually written down. I mean, go two religions prior to where Judaism and Islam branched off and you had the societies that were literally writing things down for the first time. Anyhow, (laughs) based off of just a very quick bit of research, it does seem that Islam and Judaism, and by extent Christianity, largely originated from polytheistic religions in Mesopotamia. However, Just like most polytheistic religions, certain gods in these pantheons were worshipped more than others, and some areas consistently worshipped just one god. As a side note, believing in multiple gods but only focusing on worshipping one actually has a name, monolatry. This is mostly used in reference to Christianity-related religions, but I have a feeling that a lot of polytheistic cultures back in the day had pockets of followers that only actively worshipped one or two main deities. This was actually seen a lot in ancient Greece and Rome with specific cults dedicated to one particular god, or goddess, and some cities specifically having a patron god.
0: Yeah, I know that ancient Egypt had certain groups that were dedicated to certain gods as well. Hey. Plus, in Nordic regions, certain areas revered Thor as head god, while others gave that title to Odin.
1: If you have a pantheon, gods are worshipped in all bunches of different ways. Yes. (laughs) Going back to Mesopotamia, to your point, Dan, some areas likely turned this practice of monolatry into only believing in that one God, capital G now, and thus, a new monotheistic religion is born. Yeehaw. Given that Islam, Judaism, and Christianity are still quite alive and kicking, and some of them, you know, played just a bit of a role in the European Monopoly era of the world, (laughs) or should I say Monopoly eras? These monotheistic cultures obviously survived and conquered a lot. They also obviously aren't the only monotheistic religions to ever exist or currently exist. For example, there is an ancient Chinese religion that predates Confucianism and Taoism that worshipped one main high god. And while there were often lesser gods involved, again, depending on where you lived in China and often correlated with your specific city, many areas came to view these quote-unquote lesser gods as quote-unquote lesser spirits that carried out this high god's will. So, similar to angels, I suppose, Hmm. if you were to take a more Christianified look. Yeah. Many scholars also confirm that there were trade routes connecting China to Mesopotamia,
0: so perhaps there was some shared cultural exchange. That's a really interesting note, and one we should definitely revisit again in the final discussion.
1: Absolutely. I also want to mention that some Native American religions have similar structures, with one high god and spirits that carry out their bidding. So monotheism seems to be a thing, no matter where you go.
0: I agree, there is some amount of luck, but I think there also might be some economic reason for it as well, actually. If I were an ancient Greek, for instance, and I was building and maintaining temples and making offerings for like 15 different gods. And then I looked over and Jebediah over there, across the river, is just honoring one god. I'd probably be more inclined to jump ship, if that makes sense.
1: I mean, especially if you're working under, say, one specific role in society like a field hand, and you just sort of want to worship the gods of the fields, and yet here you are making sacrifices to these 14 other gods, Jebediah starts to look really good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Looks real nice to be on that other side of the river, huh? (laughs) Notably, most of the North American stories don't truly have what we would consider quote unquote gods, but rather focus more on the mystical powers of humans and or personified animals. Given
1: the natives' appreciation of animals, I wonder if in some religions, they were basically viewed in a similar way to how some of the gods are viewed in more Eurasian cultures.
0: I mean, I know that some of their cultures believe or believed that animals had or have power to some extent beyond what more Western European beliefs do, though I believe it does very much vary. And I would be extremely hesitant to compare any of them to gods, at least the type that we associate with the word.
1: In most of these cases, I might call them spirits, if that makes sense, but that does depend on the culture. Some of these animals were full-on spirits in other cultures, these animals were everyone in the olden days had the power, sometimes that extended to humans, sometimes just animals, etc, etc. Some had one animal of the entire species that had the power, just depended on the region.
0: I do wonder though if there is some element of language and translation that affects our understanding of it in that way. Though, since there are many words, especially with regards to culture and religion, that aren't exactly one-to-one, if that makes sense, so if we call them spirits, then our association with the word spirits is not necessarily the same as theirs.
1: Especially coming from a Western and Christian-based society, absolutely. I'd say this is just the best comparison I can personally draw, I suppose.
0: Yeah, and it's also a more common translation and way of understanding it, as far as I know. I noticed that a lot of stories begin with some form of watery chaos. Why would this be such a common element?
1: For my theory on this, I will break watery chaos down into its two components. I, yeah, I'm just breaking this down into its two words. (laughs) So, first off, why chaos? A lot of stories with gods seem like they're trying to explain why something works the way it does, especially for creation stories. Gods must exist for a reason, and a great one is to bring about and maintain order. And what's the opposite of order? Chaos. So there you go. Chaos works as a great starting point to spur gods to form the world and change things. woohoo. Pretty cut and dry there. Why does it tend to be watery? I think it could be based on how some civilizations view water as chaotic. I remember learning a bit about the difference between the overall Greek versus Roman view of the sea god Poseidon slash Neptune, and this god's temperament largely had to do with the civilization's prowess with sailing. I think watery chaos largely comes from the sea's unpredictable nature, especially for back then. No doubt, storms would claim many a sailor's life, hurricanes, floods, and tsunamis would wreck coastal towns, etc, etc. I mean, there was a reason why flood was used in, say, the Bible, as a way for God to just wipe out the
0: world for an essential redo. Certainly. Floods are actually a relatively common event in many belief systems, as far as I can tell. I know that, at the very least, they occur in several stories that originate in the Middle East. And I can confirm there's
1: more, as
0: the uh, thunder outside theirs insist. <laughs> this was probably because the vast majority of civilizations form near bodies of water like rivers, lakes, ocean, etc. for a variety of reasons, and they have a proclivity of flooding sometimes. The flooding events are generally considered cleansing events.
1: In another vein, people probably also wanted to find a way to separate the air that makes up the sky from what made up this spacey chaos. And since water is more fluid, definitely more so than ground, Mm -hmm. and as I mentioned, chaotically dangerous a lot of the time, people likely also associated water with that, you know, a la flood. Water being difficult to traverse and settle on for those reasons also likely helped fuel this perspective. Sometimes maps ended because there were rivers or seas that civilizations just could not cross, so BAM! Must mean it's the edge of the world and the beginning of watery
0: chaos. <laughs> I agree! I'd also like to sort of clarify from what you said that water is generally pretty amorphous and certainly, as you mentioned, chaotic and unknowable. To me, I think that it's very hard to conceive that something was created from nothing. So there would have to be something, but since nothing had already been created, it has to be chaotic and sort of unformed. Both things can be applied neatly to water. (laughs) You might have mostly covered all that, but I hope I was able to sort of concisely explain the idea for anyone who didn't quite follow. Absolutely, plus nice little aside
1: that, yeah, it's hard to conceive that
0: in the beginning there was nothing. (laughs)
1: easiest to relate it to congratulations there's water now (laughs) there's always water another reason for this follows the logic that myths were created to explain natural phenomena as i have said 20 million times over if space or the space equivalent in these stories was made of water rain suddenly makes a lot more sense Back in the day, people didn't know about the water cycle and what clouds are made of. So when trying to reason how all this drinking stuff is falling from the sky, the chaotic layer above us is leaking down or being harnessed by the gods to bless our crops. Might have been a pretty compelling answer. Fair enough. That's where we'll leave off for now. Next week, we will wrap this up with part three, where we discuss the role of humans in these stories and wrap up a few final commonalities. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next episode.